Hey, well, good morning. Welcome to Mariner's Church. Thank you guys for being a part of today. Happy Cinco de Mayo um, to, to, to you. Um, this is a big weekend uh, for many of you. Very, very, very busy. Um, and also, we look forward to next weekend is big weekend. We have Mother's Day. Mother's Day is, is a big thing that's coming. And so we do some special things. So um, I'm here. We're going to have actually baby dedication, which is really cool to have that. So make sure you come for that and support the parents and the families and uh, bring your mom here and uh, all that. It should be, it should be a really good time. I was on vacation um, um, for the last uh, couple weekends. I was gone and um, I missed you guys after a few days, after a few days. So it took a while. <laughs> it took a while. But eventually we, yeah, we kind of miss you. So, but it, it, it is good to be back, kind of, you know, kind of. It's hard to kind of enter in. You know the, you know the feel after vacation. Um, um, what it's like and all of that. Hey, um, <clears throat> one of the one of the uh, questions whenever we're going through things, because we all go through things, right? And we're always going through something in life, and particularly when the the, the heat gets turned up or the intensity gets a little bit more severe, um, um, we we start to ask kind of the God question, and 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 the God question is usually, what is God what trying to teach me? What is God trying to teach me? What is God trying to tell me, why am I going through what I'm going through? I mean, why, I mean what, what in the world is happening here? Why is God doing this thing? It's probably one of the most common questions I'm really ever asked is, is man, what is God trying to teach me? Or, and then we, we, we kind of get into this is, is, whatever God's trying to teach me, I, I wish I could figure it out so I could get through this, you know, I, so I get through this this quicker, you know, and, and that's so common for all of us. The, 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 the terrible thing is when they ask the question is, I have to say it doesn't work that way. You know, it doesn't work that way. God is a lot bigger than trying to teach us one little lesson by lesson by lesson by lesson. He's into life shaping. And life shaping takes lots of time and lots of different things that he's doing. And what's amazing is God can take, even in this broken, crazy world, he can take the situations that you're going through, you're going through, you're going through, and I'm going through. And as we kind of even interact together, we cause these kinds of issues. And he's going to shape each one of us the way he wants us to be. And, and, and I realize that, that God is in this relentless pursuit of people that don't know him yet. He is on this relentless pursuit to, to and I want to say chase down but that's, I guess, an okay phrase. To chase down those who don't know him yet, to be able to show him his incredible love. But God is also in a relentless pursuit of changing your life. And he will do all kinds of things. He loves you the way you are. We say this all the time. But he loves you too much to let you what? Stay that way, you know? And, and we're going to be looking at a pretty incredible story um, in the book of Daniel about how God is a, in a relentless pursuit of this one guy, and then God loving him so much that he won't let him stay in the way that he, he already was. And God will do what it takes to get us to connect with him, and God's going to do what it takes to really help us to, to change, to become the people that he always wants us to be. And that's what we're going to spend a few minutes talking about. And I'm going to invite you to just take a moment and, and pray with me, would you? So, Father, now honor this time in your word and give me the words to share and and change our lives just even because of today in your hand and work in it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, well, the message is actually going to tell itself, at least the story is going to tell itself, and, and there's going to be a little bit more reading this morning, but it's a great story, and, and I think you'll enjoy it. The Bible says this, King Nebuchadnezzar 
To the peoples, nations, and men of every language who live in all the world, may you prosper greatly. Now, this is in the book of Daniel, and up to that point, Daniel has been writing it. He has been the chronicler of this particular situation. But the king, Nebuchadnezzar, he says this, hey, Daniel, this part's mine. Okay, I want you to scoot over for a second, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write this part. This part's mine because this is my story, and I want my story included now in the book of Daniel. Now, Nebuchadnezzar was the man. He was the king. He was one of those kings of a world empire, a major world empire of, of, of Babylon, and the Babylonians had taken over pretty much everything. They were the, the big dog in the world at the time, and he was king. And he was the one who did all the conquering, and he ruled it all. And here, here's his story. He says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. And I just got to stop there because you look at those two words, content and prosperous, means he had it made. I mean, you think about that. Um, he had a massive palace, 630,000 square feet of palace that he had. It has huge, it had pools, it had gardens. Yeah, multimedia center, big tree V, you know, Starbucks probably around the corner and all that. And, and, and if you're, if you're, 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 you're into it, go back and, and look at this story in the Bible because, again, it's great. Circle the two words, contented and prosperous. Content and prosperous. Because, man, you know, it's, it's funny because I thought of that. This is the goal that we have, isn't it? Man, if I could have anything in life, I would want to be content and prosperous. You know, I want to be content, I don't want to be prosperous, and when I'm content and I'm prosperous, I want to have it made, and being content and prosperous is not a problem at all, you know, it's not a sinful thing whatsoever. It's our goal in life. Is this God's goal in life for us to be content and prosperous? God's goal in life is for us to actually be fulfilled and to fulfill his purpose in life, and sometimes being content and prosperous can get in the way of God's plan and God's purpose in our lives, okay? I just wanted you to hold that in place in your mind because that's going to come up again and again and again in your life here and your growth here at Mariners. So he's in this big, prosperous house, you know, huge, huge, sprawling place. And, and he's dozing off, you know, he has a dream. I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in my bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind, they terrified me. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. When the magicians, the enchanters, astrologers, and diviners came, I told them the dream. They couldn't interpret it for me. Couldn't figure out what it was. Finally, Daniel came into my presence, and I told him the dream, and I said, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and no mystery is too difficult for you. Here's my dream. Interpret it for me. Okay, got it so far? Bad dream, you know, bad pizza, so we had a really bad dream. And he calls in Daniel, and, 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 and he's going to now tell you, Daniel the dream. And here it is. I looked, and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land, and its height was enormous, big tree. The tree grew large and strong, and its top touched the sky, and it was visible to the ends of the earth, and its leaves were beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it, the beasts of the field found shelter, and the birds of the air lived in its branches, and from it, every creature was fed. Okay, you got so far? So far, big tree, a lot of animals underneath it, you know, okay, nice, pretty garden scene and all that. And I looked, and there before me was a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, cut down the tree and trim off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit, let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its roots 
bound with iron and bronze, remain in the ground, in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven, and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man, and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass by for him. Okay, that's kind of weird, you know, kind of a weird dream. You know, big tree. Tree gets cut down, you know, and all of a sudden there's a decay, and it's no longer talking about a tree, but it starts talking about a person that's going to be bound with bronze and all that. Now, I had a dream last night, and it was, it was about stand-up paddle boards and copy machine lights, okay? I don't know. It just happens, you know, and you probably had weird dreams too, if you can remember them, you know, because it's rarely able to remember any dreams at all. Now, do I hold that dreams have special meaning, that every dream has a special meaning? I don't. I just don't. I, I honestly really don't. Otherwise, I'm wondering what I'm going to do with copy machine lights and stand-up paddle boards. I have no idea what that means, and we have how many dozens of dreams every week. You know, I, I don't know. Now, in the Bible, when there's a dream and it's interpreted, and God says this is what it means, it has meaning. But for you and I, it's just your subconscious or the tacos you ate the other night. Okay, so that's how it happens. But in this one, big tree gets cut down, the stump remains. And then someone calls out this. Let him live among the animals and plants, let him be given the mind of an animal. And that's getting weird now. It says this, upon hearing this, Daniel was overcome for a time, frightened by the meaning of the dream. God had given Daniel, in his position, the ability to understand it. Then the king said to him, Belshazzar, that's Daniel's Babylonian name, Belshazzar, don't be alarmed by the dream and what it means. Belshazzar replied, I wish the events foreshadowed in this dream would happen to your enemies, my lord, not to you. So here's what Daniel says. That tree, your majesty, is you. You've grown strong and great. Your greatness reaches up to heaven and your rule to the ends of the earth. And he says this, you will be driven from human society. You'll live in the fields with the wild animals. You'll eat grass like a cow and you'll be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way. And now you're thinking, what the heck? Okay, so he's going vegan. I mean, what, what in the world are we doing here, you know? Now, weird dreams, but weirder interpretation. But there's a clue in this, in the rest of what Daniel says. He says, seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. You hear the hint of what's going on here and what's going to happen here? You see that? And then he says this, you will receive your kingdom back again when you have learned that what? Heaven rules. Okay, here's where it's going, and here's the direction. And you begin to see that God is now in a relentless pursuit to not only find Nebuchadnezzar, but also to change him and change his life. And you read the book of Daniel, and it has these great stories of fiery furnaces and lion's dens. But there's side stories, obviously, and there's always side stories. And those side stories always involve individual people. And God cares about every individual person. That includes you. And so you have a story as well. And we read about Daniel and we think it's all about Daniel. But the side story here is also about Nebuchadnezzar, the king. And Nebuchadnezzar thought he actually had conquered Judah and brought him to 
his kingdom 600 miles away, but actually God said, it wasn't you. I'm the one who began to bring people into your life that know the true and living God. And then chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and, and the wise people couldn't figure out, but, but Daniel does. And all of a sudden, Daniel begins to say, look, these little G-gods that you have, they're nothing. There is a God, a real God, and he interprets, he interprets dreams. And God, again and again and again, what he's doing is he's getting Nebuchadnezzar's attention, just like he gets our attention, okay? And kind of in my mind, it's almost like God keeps, you know, looping rope around Nebuchadnezzar, more loops, more loops, more loops, so God can actually begin to just pull him in, just pull him in, pull him in, pull him in. God has been consistently and patiently doing this stuff. And I guess the point, if you want to write down points, God will do what it takes to get you closer to himself. God is going to do that. God will do everything it takes because he has a determined interest in your life. He always has a determined interest in you. And again, you can begin to sometimes see as things line up the circumstances that were weird and wacky and crazy that brought you to a place where you realized, I I do need God here. God is in that relentless quest for us. God has a determined interest to get people closer to himself. Next thing is, pride is a really bad thing and keeps us from God. Now, now what I mean by pride, because pride is, is considered, you know, in some senses, really, really good, you know? For instance, you see the bumper stickers that, that people put on their cars, you know, my child was student of the month. You've seen those, haven't you? You know, on cars, my child was student of the month, and then on trucks, you always see my child beat up the student of the month. You know, it's those kinds of things. And people take pride in all kinds of things. They take pride in this or that. It's pride, a job well done. You know, you mow your lawn, it looks good, and you think, man, it looks, it looks pretty good. That's okay. That pride is, is okay. Pride in what God has done, you know, maybe through you, is to say, I'm glad that God did that. When I talk about pride here, that, that, Pride is a bad thing. I'm talking about the focus on self, the arrogance, that somehow because my, my lawn was mowed and it looks okay, that I'm somehow better than my neighbors. Then now it's bled over into the area where it starts getting bad. You follow that? You understand that? You know, because somehow I'm better than you and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And the pride that kind of happens because I'm so good, maybe I don't even, at the extreme, I don't need God that much. So that's why the Bible says pride goes before destruction. Haughtiness does go before a fall, and it's what keeps people from God. Because as long as you are looking down at others, you cannot look, what? Up at God. So here it comes. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he says, here he is, looking on the roof, Is this not this great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? It's like, holy smoke. And this is the pride stuff that we talked about. You know, it's all about me. You know, it's all about me. It's about my life. And you put those two points together, and God is going to do what it takes to remove the pride. And here it comes. The words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You'll be driven away from the people, and you'll live with the wild animals. You'll eat grass like cattle. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. You see where it's coming? 
he was saying, man, look what I have done, and all of a sudden, boom. Bible goes on and says, immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. And you're thinking, wow, there's a weird mental picture, you know, you think about that. And it's called zoanthropy or boanthropy. And honestly, believe it or not, it is a psychological condition. And they've studied it and they've looked at it. And it's where people think or they start to take on the characteristics of an animal. All right? I don't get it. You know, I don't. But, but it's, 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 it's pretty sad, you know. But there's also some humor, in, you know, into this, you think, you know. You know, Nebuchadnezzar, the greatest king of the whole world. Now, what's he doing? He's out mowing the back lawn, you know, for breakfast, you know? I mean, that, 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 that's where, where he is. You know, now, now, how crazy was he? I don't know, you know? I don't know how crazy he was, you know? But we can have some fun with it. You know, here we go. Here's his family portrait of, of, of during that age, okay? And because he was the king, he started a whole brand new fashion line. There we are. There we are on, on this one. Now, now, did he talk? I don't, I don't know. Obviously, stuff was all hushed up, you know. I mean, he's the ruler of the world, and they're not going to let that out, that he's gone nuts for a while. And it's an embarrassing thing to go from the highest king in the world to absolute madness, you know, with the dew of heaven, wet, wetting his clothes. Um, this is what kept Nebuchadnezzar and us from God was his pride. And God, in his relentless, loving pursuit of Nebuchadnezzar, took away everything. There are some things that just aren't going to move in this world, and one of them is God. And we have to adjust to the reality that there are some things a whole lot, lot bigger than us. So on, on, on vacation... Um, I went snorkeling. Ever, ever done snorkeling? You guys ever done snorkeling? You, know, you like it? Okay. You know, yeah, I like to snorkel. Yeah. I've snorkeled several times in my life. And so I'm there, and, and, and Lisa's kind of sitting back by the pool, by the beach chair. And I said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go snorkeling. You know, I've done it before. You know, I can do it again, you know. And I even brought my own gear. I even brought snorkeling gear. And, you know, that's how, you know, into this stuff I think I was. And, and so, so I, I, I said, I'm going to go snorkel. And she said, what, what would, would a, a, a nice loving, supportive wife, say to a husband who's going into the big ocean to snorkel. Her words were what? Be careful. Be careful. Be careful. Now, if you're a guy, what do those words mean? They mean nothing. They mean I'm going to go out farther than I could ever have thought so before because she thinks this is a dangerous situation. And besides, I've snorkeled before. You know, I know what I'm doing. And so, you know, you go in, you get in the water, you know, and you, you put on your flippers and you just hope no one's watching you as you're putting on your flippers because it's, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, you're kind of like this, this and the wave comes this way and then the wave goes that way back in and forth. Finally got the flippers on, finally got the snorkel on, and I go out there and I'm thinking with the echo of her words, you'll be careful. You know, so I'm swimming out there, swimming out there. Well, as I'm, I'm swimming out there, all of a sudden, I notice something happening in my snorkel mask. If you know snorkel mask, you know, you put those things on. All of a sudden, I see two rivers of water kind of running down on the inside, and my mask beginning to just go, you know, fill up, you know, fill up. Ever, ever had that kind of thing happen? You know? And all of a sudden, so I'm starting to breathe, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm sucking in nothing but salt water, you know? <laughs> you know, so what do I do? You know, I'm treading water. I, you know, I, I take the mask off, and I, and, I, and I do it again. And I'm pretty far out now, and I'm thinking, whoa, you know? I, I, I really need to what? 
be careful. Yeah, I really should be careful. Here. Yeah. So I put everything, readjust everything, and it's still seeming to happen. Water's pouring in. So I'm I'm swimming back in again, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, this is this is a this is a big. Now did I tell Lisa? Nah, I'm not gonna tell Lisa. I thought this is this is a big this is a big ocean, you know. And I have to adjust my reality to the fact that if it's a choice between me and the ocean, or if it's me versus the ocean, I'm what. I'm not going to win this one, okay? I am not going to win this particular situation. And in our lives, we have to adjust our reality to the situation. The reality is, is God's a whole lot bigger. And God is going to win every single time. And if God is on a relentless pursuit of your life and to change your life, he'll win. And he really will win all the time. When Daniel had given the warning to Nebuchadnezzar, he said this. Nebuchadnezzar, this is 12 months before. Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what's right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you'll continue to prosper. Look, Nebuchadnezzar, you still got time here. You got time before all this stupid crud stuff hits, hits your life. Stop the wicked stuff. Get your eyes off yourself. It's not about your riches. It's not about your kingdom. It's not about your prosperity and your contentment. It's about God, and it's about others. So you love God with everything you've got, and you love others with everything you've got. Take the stuff that you have and start living a life of fulfillment and purpose instead of a life of self. Okay? You've still got time for this. See the poor. See the people you can help. Do it now. The last thing is, is humble yourself. You know, you got to humble yourself. So I'm out there in the, in the, in the water, you know, so I, I kind of gurgle my way back to shore, you know, and I crawl up on the beach, and I'm so thankful at that time. I'm so thankful for two things. One is that there was a beach right there, and two, that Lisa didn't see any of it. Okay, I saw uh, that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting there looking, and I'm, and I'm watching these guys, and they're going to go out snorkeling too, but they're bringing a big old boogie board. And, and, and they're just floating on the boogie board, and I'm thinking, huh. You know, what a wise thing to do. You know, you got that? I think, well, I might look like a 60-year-old guy out there in the ocean. And I started thinking, guess what? I am a 60-year-old guy out there in the ocean. And it took a little bit of humility to realize I can't do this by myself anymore. But it's a big ocean. And the ocean is going to win what? Every single time. And so I rented one and had a great time. But that's a side story. You have to all of a sudden realize, I can't do this on my own. I can't. And the quicker we get to that point, the better off we're going to be. I can't do this thing called life on my own. I can't. I can't. I can try, but I can't. One day, Nebuchadnezzar kind of came to his senses. And, and, and And in my mind, I always think he probably woke up in the morning, you know, and he's in the royal barn, they probably give him nice hay because he's the king, you know. And he looks over at his buddies, the chickens, you know, because he's made friends with all the animals. And he looks at the eggs that they're laid, and he's thinking, man, I'd probably like one of those scrambled. And he looks over at his friend, the pig, and he probably looks at his rear end and says, I'd like a hunk of ham right now. And all of a sudden, his mind begins to clarify, you know. All of a sudden, he starts to see things differently. But it says this, and there's more to it than this, and, and here's where it happens. It says, at the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven. Now, that's symbolic, you know. It's not that heaven's up, 
But what he's saying is, now I'm lifting myself up to look at the great God there is. Now he looked up. When he was on the roof of his palace, he looked where? He looked down. Now he's looking up, realizing I can't look down on others or life anymore. I have to look up to him. It says this, at the end of that time, my Nebuchadnezzar raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored. There it is. He humbled himself and life came together for him. He said, then I praised the most high. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, What have you done? I, 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 love, I love this. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven. Because everything he does is right. All his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he's able to humble. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that sweet? What a cool thing. Here he is, the king of the earth. He thought himself. And now all of a sudden he's talking to you, talking about the king of heaven. I love this story because Nebuchadnezzar again interrupts Daniel and says, Daniel, I got a part in this little play, this thing you're writing, this little story you're writing, and it's about me. And it's about where I am not the hero. You know who's the hero in the story? God's the hero because God always is. And And Nebuchadnezzar recognizes that and says, I lift my eyes to the king of heaven. I exalt and glorify him. Everything he does is right. Everything he does is just. Those who walk in pride, he's able to humble. And the reality is, is God is on a relentless pursuit of you. (laughs) Always, always. He's going to chase you down, you know, in a loving, kind way. And, And the way he does that is life is not going the way you think it should go. Or maybe all of a sudden you're finding success and prosperity and contentment. But you're saying, in my contentment and my prosperity, this, this isn't the way. There should be more than this. And if you're feeling that way, and God's not part of the equation, then that's God chasing you down. Or maybe you're going through certain things, and you're saying, why is God taking me through this? There's a lesson, a love lesson that he's giving you. God does it in subtle ways, huge ways. He loves you the way you are, loves you way too much to let you stay the way you are. And that's an incredible thing. And I want the worship team, they're going to come on up right now. And we're going to prepare um, ourselves because we're going to take the Lord's Supper, which to me is the ultimate expression of God chasing us down. You know, the ultimate expression of God revealing to us um, how much he loves and cares about each one of us. You, you, um, me. While we have lived, kind of walked through a weird story last few minutes, now the story's about you, your story, my story, and a God who personally, personally, individually loves you, looks at you and says, I love you. And I will chase you down. Maybe have you trip a couple times. 
to realize you can't do it on your own. I can do this for you. And I will do this with you. The elements that are here, um, we have we have some um, juice and we have some bread. And they're symbolic of something really important, a very key part of our faith, is that God cares so much about you that he entered into our world, time and space. The God beyond the world entered into our world, took on flesh and blood. And that's why Jesus said, this represents, this is my body. I came in, believe this, believe this and remember this. I came down for this, for you. The cup that we will be taking um, symbolizes, represents his blood. We can't make it to heaven on our own. Can't do it. We're just not good enough. And so the punishment that was meant for you happened on him. And so he says, take it and remember. Remember my love for you. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to pray. Um, and then after I pray, they're going to start with a song. And as the song is going on, we say worship. Just kind of connect, reconnect, connect again with God. Connect with God. If you have any kind of sins to confess or hatred, anger towards somebody that, you know, you should be loving and caring and forgiving, get rid of it. Just take it to God. Say, God, take this away. I forgive him. So you can present yourself right before that. And then during the song, come on up and take the elements. And the way we do it here at Mariners is you don't drink and eat here at the table. You go back and hold on to it because we kind of look at it as a family meal. So we'll take together at the, after a pause in the song. But would you bow with me, please, for a second? Just prepare yourself and preparing yourself. If you're frustrated with somebody and have no patience for them, ask God to forgive you for that. And patient and loving if you have unforgiveness in your heart my man move out of that remember how much he's forgiven you forgive him that way he forgave you any sins to confess maybe something stupid you did this week he died for that sin and come to him humility, thankfulness. Ask him to forgive. He's faithful to do that. He wants you to be taking this meal correctly, right. Pure heart. So ask for that. Father, thank you for what you do for us. Jesus, thank you for what you've done.